I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Mary Catherine Jablonski. She is a visual artist as well as a poet. She's the author of the chapbook To the Husband I've Not Yet Met, and more recently, in fact, the very recently published Sugar Maker Moon from Dos Madres Press. Her collaborative video poems have been widely published and exhibited, and her visual art is held in both private and public collections. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about more than one art form with you, Mary Catherine. Thank you, Charlie. It's such a pleasure to be here today. And I want to mention, first of all, that I remember many years ago uh, having you and the, the three poets uh, speak in Saratoga Springs and what a pleasure it was uh, having you uh, perform for us. Oh, so you saw three guys from Albany in the old days. Uh, okay, that's great. Saxophone included. Oh, right. Yeah, Dan was on saxophone. Well, let me start right off with this fact that you are uh, uh, accomplished and uh, continually creating in both visual art and poetry. Do you ever think very much consciously about the relationship of those two things? I, I don't think consciously about them at all. Um, my history is as mainly as a printmaker. And I do find in retrospect that I work as a poet in very similar ways to the way I worked as a printmaker. Um, that is to say, washing away images, um, being very uh, obsessive compulsive about the work. I edit obsessively. Some poems will be in progress for years. Um, so there are similarities in the processes that I use, but I don't think about that consciously, no. Mm. And with the uh, video poem poetry collaborations, when you write the poems, do you at all think about something like that? Like, oh, this would really work with as a video? Or do you just write the poems and let it go? No, my creative life, thankfully, is very spontaneous. And in fact, the way I began working on video poems was completely spontaneous. I had met my collaborator, filmmaker Laura Frere, when I was a gallerist and exhibiting her paintings, I went to see an art show that was a faculty exhibit at SUNY Adirondack. And I was looking for her paintings and was about to leave and saw her. And she said, oh, no, no, I'm showing films this year. And I went into a small darkened booth and saw them and came out and just intuitively blurted out, oh, Laura, I'd really like to collaborate with you. I'm writing poetry. And she immediately said yes. <laughs> so wow. um, the way, the way, in, again, in retrospect, it seems my poems, because I am a visual artist, are very lyrical and very image oriented. So I feel that most of them I could choose to to work with Laura with in terms of film and her 
videography um, is very abstract and very lyrical. So we're we're like a match made in heaven. Yeah, and we we really thrive together creatively. Oh, that's super. All right. Yeah, it sounds like you just philosophically uh, lean in the same directions. Definitely. Uh, Sugar Maker Moon is is that one? Um, I have not run into that one before. I may have heard of Wolf Moon and these other kinds of phrases from, uh, you know, with indigenous heritage. Is Sugar Maker Moon that way, or where does it come from? Sugar Maker Moon is it? Yes, it certainly is. It's the Abenaki translation for the March April full oh, okay. moon. And when I was a child growing up, we definitely every single spring made maple syrup. And I've heard, but have not confirmed that um, some Native Americans actually made maple sugar instead of maple syrup. But it's very close to my heart and I have the deepest respect for the Native traditions, um, many of which growing up were my traditions growing growing up very close to the land with deep respect for the land. Um, uh, I work now in holistic healthcare and uh, we never called it that in, in the sixties and seventies and eighties growing up, but we grew what we ate. We, we definitely were of the land in every way possible. Okay, well, let's hear one of these. Uh, let's hear a poem from Sugar Maker Moon. Well, since you're from Vermont, I'd like to start with a Vermont poem. All the locations in this poem, Mare Vaporum, which translates as Sea of Vapor, uh, one of the seas on the moon, has mentions many locations in Vermont that are very dear to me. A uh, couple words that might trip people up, darning needles are are dragonflies. It mentions the gray ghost, which is actually a fly fishing lure made by Orvis. And the last two lines are from the Book of Thomas the Contender, the Gnostic text. So Mare Vaporum, Sea of Vapor. Take me to that floating light in fractals, conjuring new hues of remedy mirrored in the meniscus. Drive me back to Mary Lane, past Hebron and the great blue heron, nodding pieweed and the watchful kestrel of Paulette. Beside the flower brook, where it joins the meadowy, honeysuckle steep, circled by luminous darning needles, two and two in flight. Threading nymphs try to thwart the rainbow, river-walking, wordless, gray ghost days. For this place in all the universe has marked us. Let that which is visible and brought to naught dissolve. Let me perish in concern for this life. I have to say, your voice and mode of reading is perfect for your poem. It's just right. I'm sure people listening notice that. Well, thank you. I find that prayer, that poem to be a prayer for me 
And that's certainly one of my most favorite places on this earth. I, I, I would have been guessing forever at Grey Ghost. In fact, on my own, I was thinking, what's going on here? Definitely need your, uh, what other things can you tell about? Tell us about this poem? Uh, I'll tell you, a, because it's such a serious poem, maybe to some people, I'll tell you something funny. Mary Lane is actually a place, a beautiful, beautiful dirt road. And I go, I go back there quite frequently sometimes in summer, almost every weekend. And there is a bridge there that covers one of the best trout fishing places you could imagine. The street sign for Mary Lane has been stolen and replaced and stolen and replaced. And I think now the authorities are going to leave it missing. And I find that a deep irony, like, this place that I love so much is no more. Ooh. It's, it's an, an eerie kind of irony that uh, I don't know quite what to make of. <laughs> okay. Well, see, I'm not, I'm not you, and I didn't take it that way. I thought it became sort of transcendent. Yes. So it's still, it's still there, but... Yes. In a way, not it's like simultaneously it's there and not there. Or it's it's just become this like the ghost that's mentioned later, it's just becomes this mystical thing. Mary Lane is now the gray ghost. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it works for me because all of my associations with Mary Lane started three minutes ago. <laughs> so you're building them up beautifully. So many people make up everything in their poems. And I'm the same way with my dreams. Uh, I can write them down verbatim and people read them and think that I've made them up. And uh, I've now I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very neat. And you get over there all the time. That's really what well, you said. You like to be out there in nature. So absolutely. That, that certainly fits. Yeah. And, and it looks to me from the poems you sent that you, uh, took some or all of the chapbook and put it into this new bigger book, uh, The Husband I've Not Yet Met? Yes, I wanted the chapbook to The Husband I Have Not Yet Met to, number one, get more, uh, get a wider exposure. And I knew that publishing it with Dos Madres Press in this larger context, it would. And I also wanted it to be interspersed with the night sky poems, so that it would be couched in a larger context. I was afraid that people would take those husband poems literally, which is one way to take them, certainly. But the husband for me is, as a, a metaphor, a conceit, so much more. And I really wanted to open that up for people. What what do you hope? What would you hope people think of then? In not a literal husband. Well, <laughs> I do ask that. Um, in relationship, I'm sure people realize this. The other is is often a mirror. So certainly, the husband is the self, and I 
truly believe you could read any one of these poems and substitute the word self for husband. Ooh, that's, that's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, and also, without getting too psycho pop or psycho babble on it, mm -hmm. also mother, father, child for husband. Okay. You know, I really think that with husband, we're looking to, you know, Ram Das says, we're all... Sure. We're all just walking each other home. So husband, home, you know, um, I could go. <laughs> I could oh, go well, that's interesting. Home. Yeah. <laughs> but much, much more than just the little yeah. husband. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that makes it much more interesting, of course. Mm. Yeah. So you want to read this one of these letters? Sure, I'll read you the first one with how it all began. Um, to the husband I have not yet met. And these are, uh, these are all letters, and there are a dozen. To the husband I have not yet met, letter one. In the years I've spent waiting for you, I have thought, if you do not come this spring, I will turn back into the earth. I will learn to drive a truck with a stick. I'll get a dog. Although I established myself as a cat person long ago. I will plant a garden on land that is not mine and wear dirt under short nails that will never come clean. Slowly, I'll be reabsorbed like the tomb of snow, which remains long past April, shielded in shade beside the house I let, whose cool irony in 80 degrees comforts me out of season. I like that, that cool irony I could easily see having, having, most of my life lived in climates where this kind of thing happens, like in Wisconsin or, or here in Vermont, where if you're on the shaded side, and much after the, the snow is gone, there's some snow. I'm a snow person. <laughs> and in Sugar Maker Moon, there are a lot of snow bones. Yeah. I, I really like winter, which a lot of people haven't got much use for, but I think it's fabulous. Uh, mystery. Yeah. Yeah, I could never move south <laughs> and not have winter. Think about the husband being yourself, being everyone. Oh yes. It reminds me somehow what you said reminds me of a an old an old uh, and dreams. Reminds me of an old a little gestalt notion of looking at dreams and being yourself if you want to interpret the dream. Go ahead and be all the parts of the dream and all the characters in the dream and speak from those various viewpoints. That's right. Uh, what, now, where does the C come from? We talked about it a little bit before we came on the air. Yeah. Um, C of this, C of that. Well, for me, poetry is obviously at this point a means of exploration, just the way artwork is. And uh, 
we've already said I grew up in the natural world. I grew up on a on a dirt road, on a goat farm, <laughs> very in touch with nature. Um, and so the night sky has always been a, a part of my uh, part of my life. Uh, my favorite place was the farthest field where you could see no other house. <laughs> Uh, and I often walked in the night, in the moonlight, and uh, the stars were always a part of my life. Also, I'm very interested in the musicality of other languages, and I grew up in a household that contained generations, and as I was learning to speak, um, my Polish grandmother was part of my daily life. And so I was involved uh, daily, surrounded by Polish language. And I think this had a great influence in me becoming a poet. Um, at that time, it was very easy for me. She listened to the Polish radio often. And so Polish was spoken so fast on the radio, it was impossible for me to pull out any single word. And so language just washed over me as music, and I'm still able to kind of make that shift. I like to listen to baseball games on the radio, for example, and, and shift into just letting that happen. Um, so the Latin names of the seas on the moon were very interesting to me. The fact that they weren't seas, but were something else, shadows, lava plains. Um, and the fact that when things were too overwhelming emotionally here, there was an alternate reality that was an actual place but not a place I could physically go to uh, was of great interest to me. So again, one after another, after another, after another, uh, these poems just came forth. Wow. And the thing you said about language reminds me of being in social situations like sometimes it's a party. And I, I definitely have had that spacey feeling where it's just this murmur of whatever it is, the sounds, you know, it's like ocean waves coming in. Yeah. I have no idea what anybody's saying. It's very pleasant. It's almost like floating. Uh, it's just the, the, the murmur. Yeah. And I've had the opposite experience, listening to birdsong and thinking, for example, the solitary vireo. There is an upward lilt and a downward lilt, asking and answering questions. Mm. So, um, it's it's wonderful. Language is just such a fantastic music, in all its in all its in, 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 in incarnations. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's do another poem. Well, I'll read to you Mare Spumans which translates as sea of foam. A dark science swept me into this birdless place. Each morning 
the forgetting. Stars erased at daybreak, a thousand deaths. Welks strewn upon the shore, beautiful in their wreckage. Fleshy pinks, pale violets. The violence they endured, making them more beautiful. They call from a former cloistered life and will be smaller tomorrow, half buried in sand, becoming sand. Nothing now to hear, broken open, split to silence, still a sea within. Now, I don't know if it's the poem, probably in combination with uh, things you just said, but in this poem, I really found the sound uh, interestingly noticeable, or noticeable interestingly. We've got, in the early part, we've got place and erased, and later we've got call, will, and smaller kind of close together. And of course, at the end, there's broken open, which is a really neat uh, combination of sounds. Do you, do you, how do you work with sound? I myself go back sometimes. I write a poem and then go back and say to myself, can I do something to kick up the sound? So I don't know. I don't know what other people do. Well, I tend to work syllabically with a, a syllabic line. And I tend to work with sound very intuitively. And I tend to uh, edit poems obsessively. So, yes, I do go back. Yeah. Um, and music has always been a, um, a part of my life since my early, early childhood. Uh, every evening, my mother and I sang together folk songs outdoors, um, <laughs> as corny as it is, outside, um, sang together every single evening. So uh, folk songs were a very big part of my early childhood, uh, always. Well, and you can be uninhibited when you're out in the country singing outside. Absolutely. So I would imagine you belted them out. <laughs> uh, we did until my, I have four older brothers. And uh, yeah, until they came around and started uh, fake howling, like, you know, <laughs> uh, and laughing at us, we did belt them out. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it makes sense to me. I mean, I, I used to like to stand on the shores of Lake Michigan and, you know, Mess around vocally, let's say. We had our own kind of country fun, for sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, we're just about out of time, but why? how about reading uh, letter number five to the husband? And we'll uh, call it a wrap. Yeah. Unless you'd rather do another one, a different one. No, this is a great poem to end on. Yeah. A lot of people love this poem, and it's meant all in good humor, but... Uh, yeah, I get this poem requested a lot. So here, yeah. and um, I should also mention that I wanted to include all the husband poems in my new book because it was a great opportunity to um, revise, to edit some of them, um, mm. 
but this has been a, a tried and true favorite. So here we go. To the husband I have not yet met, letter five. I already told you this, and it's true. If you do not come this year, I will get a dog. I tell you now that I will name him husband. Do not interpret this to mean that I have lost all hope. He will be hubby for short, not a toy, not purebred, a mutt from the pound, a grateful sort, older, of course, strong, silent, obedient, yet set in his ways. When I walk him, I can finally say, have you met my husband? I'll take him into town and he will hump the legs of younger bitches I am jealous of and pee on the shoes of all who beg to differ with me like a good husband. We'll have a secret language. So when I say mildly, bad dog, and wag my finger in public, he will know I really mean I will never leave you. Don't worry, husband. If you decide to come after all this, you can change his name. He would never bite you, for unlike me, he'll recognize your face. I can, can see why that is such a favorite. <laughs> it's got a lot in it, and it's and it's humorous as well. <laughs> Very humorous. <laughs> so thanks a lot. So glad you could do this. My pleasure entirely, Charlie. Thank you so much. You are listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. We've been listening to Mary Catherine Jablonski read from her new book, Sugar Maker Moon. Hi, this is producer and technical director Jack Rossiter Munley, and I am here because we have a special and very exciting announcement. Earlier this year, at the end of May, I was lucky enough to go to Madrid, Spain, and it wasn't just to see the Royal Palace or hang out, enjoy the, the sun out on the Iberian Peninsula. It is because this year was the first Unamuno Author Festival. Over the course of five days, there were over 80 readings, there were academic panels. It was a huge, wonderful festival, and it was the first Anglophone poetry festival ever in Madrid. And because I was able to attend it, we can now bring you the audio of those readings. As you know, new episodes of Poetry Spoken here currently go up every other week. We are going to be able to bring you a new podcast every single week. The interview episodes won't change, but now, on the weeks when we usually don't have one, that Friday will be one of the readings from the Unamuno Author Festival. So... Get ready. The first one is coming next week. There will be plenty of announcements on our Facebook, on our Twitter, 
about who the upcoming poets are going to be, and there are a lot of different exciting people who were there and whose readings we will have for you. There are former Poetry Spoken Here guests, Michael DeManis and Spencer Reese, and then there are many other poets, Jericho Brown, Monica Yoon, Molly McCauley Brown, Mark Wunderlicht, Campbell McGrath. It's just a wonderful array of different poets, and they will be coming to you right here on Poetry Spoken Here. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to listen next week to Let Poetry Speak to You. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to Let Poetry Speak to You. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.